0: Hey y'all, just a quick note at the top of the podcast, me and Chris recorded this yesterday before the all defensive teams were announced along with defensive player of the year. So I think we're probably going to end up talking about that tomorrow or sometime down the line, because I know that the sky snubs were a big topic of conversation in the Twitter sphere and probably beyond that as well. So we're going to get to that probably tomorrow, but we're not going to talk about it on here because we recorded yesterday and I wasn't able to find time to edit the podcast until just now. So appreciate you all. And let's get into the show. What's going on, Skytown? Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. My name is James Kay. With me on the mic, as always, is your co-host, Chris Bennett. Chris, we are coming off a intense game one, and I'm talking about that from both sides of the bracket. And it was incredible yesterday, Sunday had so many, so many theatrics, but how are you doing after being in the building at Wintrust Arena last night? I had some major FOMO, I'm not going to lie.
1: It was cool. It was cool to be back. It, It had been a while since I'd been inside the building legitimately for a sky game and the atmosphere was all there. The fans, it wasn't a full house completely, but enough fans came in, they were spirited. The Connecticut fans, quite a few seem to make the trip or were just, you know, made themselves present and heard. And it was exciting from the first to the last. Can't say more about it from the fans' perspective. Uh, the WNBA needs that, especially in the playoffs, all playoffs long.
0: I'm glad that we got some high-quality entertainment out of both of these games that happened yesterday because I was worried that the sun were just going to fold to the sky like we talked about in the last podcast. And it just was not the case yesterday. I mean, the sun were just able to take back home court advantage, but just using brute force yesterday against the sky. And it was kind of a slop fest with the game. And again, the sun won 68, 63, and both teams shot under 38% from the field, 27% from beyond the arc. And they didn't really get to the free throw line all that much in what Honestly, I didn't have any qualms with that because, you know, you know how much I hate refs getting in the way of some of the, some of the flow of the game. But let's start off with this. Did last night change your opinion about the Sun moving forward in this series? And let's just start off with that. Did, it, did they change your mind about how they could t- potentially take care of business in the semifinals?
1: Not necessarily, no. Uh, I know that you had a head and and a gut post on how you thought both of these series were going to go. And I think uh, in your head, you said that the sun sky was going to go four and your gut told you it was going to go be a sky sweep. So either way, the sun were going to have to make a statement as, as Stevens said in the post game last year, they came into the playoffs about as hot as any team. And then the sky went into their building in game one, and took a really – that was a tremendous game going into overtime. Uh, Courtney Randler stood knocking in the triple-double. And as Azareh said, they gut-punched them and then beat them in the season series this year. So Kurt Miller said in the same game that they wanted to make a statement. They wanted to throw the first punch. They wanted this the guy to call the first timeout. And after a couple of – as of Kalia Copper drives – they did just that. They took the momentum back and, and put the sky in a job and forced him to call timeout. Uh, they hedged hard on the initial dribble pick and roll. They forced a lot of things to the sideline and the elbow. And they did what they usually do inside the paint. They made all of the paint touches difficult. And when the ball got below the waistline, they had hands in trying to dig in and force turnovers. I, I still think that it's hard to keep that up over a, a five-game series or even a four-game series if the sky come back and win the next three. John Cole Jones was efficient, for sure, but had a fairly pedestrian effort from what we've come to expect from her. And even Dewana Bonner really made her bread late in the game by getting to the line and forcing turnovers. Now, that, that's, not to be, that's not to take away from what the Sun did at all. They took Courtney VanderSloot pretty much out of the game. They let it all ride on, on uh, Candace Parker's shoulders. Azare Stevens didn't really get in the scorebook until late. And the Sky, I think, were bothered by Connecticut's energy, just the way that they missed some easy shots at the rim that they would normally make. But I, I do, even though the party line last night from the Sky was, we'll be ready for next game, we need to bring more energy next game, and we'll be ready. That's a championship mindset for sure, and it could come off as – some of the things they said could come off as arrogant, you know, as they, saying that Connecticut is a slower, more rugged team, saying that they need to match the game up. But Kurt Miller agreed to that. He said a pretty TV game does not play in their favor. So I expect this guy to at least get one of those games, maybe two, where it's going to be high-flying, they're going to be hitting more of their shots, and they're going to be hitting those shots at the rim that they didn't in game one. So I still expect this guy to win.
0: I still lean towards that as well. I don't think that. I mean, this was a wild game from a lot of different angles. Honestly, I mean, the officiating. Look, I don't think this is what. That's what lost the sky of the game. I think it was just they were gonna let things go on both ends of the floor. That's what it seemed like from when I watched the game this morning. And Cheryl Flores is Cheryl Flores. <laughs> I'm telling we you, we don't man. know what that means. What?
1: We all know what that means. Yeah,
0: you – exactly. If you don't at this (laughs) point, then (laughs) maybe maybe you should be paying attention more to the box score even below that second team. But at the same time, like, this was just all about physicality and what the refs were letting both teams get away with. And to me, that plays more to Connecticut's advantage than it does with the skies, honestly. And I'm just curious with the different officiating crew potentially for game two – What are the adjustments even the referees are going to be making in terms of, again, making sure that, like, there's going to be more than just 20 free throws attempted combined between both teams. And, you know, the sky didn't seem all too pleased about the officiating at the post-game presser, just from what I saw this morning. And, you know, Kalia Copper had nine points in the first quarter. She took one shot in both the second and third quarters. You know, she had one shot attempt in that time span. I think one thing that James Wade said that I thought was interesting was just how his players were not persuaded to go towards the rim after they weren't getting some of the foul calls at the rim. Um, you know, based on how this team is shot this season, um, like especially in losses, I'm not sure like that's necessarily the formula in order to get back in the game because what they shot something like eight for 30, I want to say from, Beyond the arc yesterday, I mean, those open shots weren't going down. Whether they were at the rim, at times, like I think there was a couple of bunnies that they blew, or from beyond the arc. Again, because of both of those things, I just I don't think that this like that Skytown should be completely overwhelmed by the result of last night's game. Because to me, it makes sense that Connecticut would come out punching in the first game, and then the Sky then have to adjust and settle in. They did not seem prepared. Let me not prepared. I don't want to insult the coaching staff. It didn't seem like they did seem a little surprised by the aggressiveness that Connecticut was throwing at them. Like I watched the last four games between Canada, the Sun and the Sky. And this was by far the most energetic that Connecticut defense was in the five meetings that they had against the sky this year. Or so to me, I'm kind of with you. I don't think my opinion has really changed, but Connecticut—you got to give Connecticut all the credit in the world for throwing that first punch and it landing in that first game.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams get a good starts, but they—they they held it. They—they they, to use tennis parlance, they held serve, uh, winning that first quarter, even though they won by three. And the sky had a shot to tie the game. They just didn't take advantage. They got turnovers when they needed them. They held on that final possession. This guy did not get anything close to what they wanted um, in an attempt to tie the game or just get a quick shot to cut it to one and possibly foul, which Kurt Miller said, there have been a lot of these these games are uncanny in the way that they go down to the final plays. And today, that day, yesterday, they made the plays. Connecticut made the big plays. And he said in the past, they have not made them, which is true, that overtime game this season, they had a chance to win. They had a six-point lead late and let that slide. They had a chance to win that playoff game last year on the last second um, steal and run out and just missed it. So this was big for Connecticut and getting that um, that kind of onus out of their head, getting, getting that snake-bitten mentality away. And I thought that this guy were going to come back in a bigger way than they did. The bench gave them great minutes in the second quarter and then the starters came back in and they, they faltered just a bit. So I, and then the third quarter was really, really withering, so I, I think that was what what did it um, even you know it, it was surprising their defensive package was surprising. Um, Steven Gardner, who was a friend of ours, friend of our pod, uh, did a space earlier with Isis Young, who uh, does telecast for some for some some games, and neither of them talked about in terms of what connecticut 's defensive uh, alignment would be. Neither of them talked about them hedging that hard and really just kind of turning the ball and limiting it to one side of the court. They were looking at a 2-3 zone. They were looking at using that giant ball lineup of Alyssa Thomas, that big back line, and then Jonah Carrington. And neither of them really talked about Connecticut using that hedge or trapping on the sideline the way that they did. So credit to Connecticut. Sky players and Sky coaching staff said as much in the postgame that they were really surprised. They didn't expect them to do that and they didn't expect them to change coverages the way that they did throughout the game. So Connecticut's coaching staff gets the, the point on that one. Not just in the win, they had a tactical advantage and pressed it to the best of their ability.
0: One thing that I didn't even think about until just now when you said that, Kurt Miller said that James Wade outcoached him in the semifinals last year. Remember that was this, like this like last – one of the last few remarks that he had. He's like, James – coached me this series and he, that probably stuck with him a little bit being like I have to have everything laid out to be able to attack this team that let's be honest is just more talented than the Sun at this point they have a deeper bench the Sky have three finals MVPs on the team along with the third all-time leading assist leader and Ali Quigley one of the best shooters of all time I mean look the Sky have a better roster than the Sun do, and when you go up against a team like that you have to just throw as many haymakers and just kind of try to go for the home run every once in a while and i felt like the coaching staff was really able to pull that off on connecticut side yesterday and now it's game two and there's going to be adjustments i mean that's what that's why a series is better than a one-off you know and yeah I'm going to be curious to see how the sky adjusts to that aggressiveness, but I think the one thing in terms of adjustments, and we should probably talk about adjustments going into this game um, on what, I think Wednesday, I'm curious how the coaching staff tries to drill it into the sky, like you can't be as unselfish as you are <laughs> there were so many open shots that they just passed up because it was like we just got to keep the ball moving which is great with a team that has as much talent as it is that's a good instinct to have rather than the other way but man the think the reason they were so successful in games two and three against the liberty were because they kind of overcame that and i thought that was something that they maybe had kind of figured out a little bit maybe it just clicked there was some time off in between games Game three and game one, and maybe you can can attribute it to that a little bit, but that stood out to me a lot on the broadcast this morning.
1: Yeah, there was one specific play in the first half where Julie Alleman had a driving lane to the rim, and I think she was either anticipating help side defense coming over or just was trying to, you know, not take the shot because of how the team has operated all season long. And she back-passed to Emma at the top of the key, but Connecticut was defending that, read it, um, and had a fast break opportunity. And I think there was another time where a Sky player had an open shot and passed it up. It might have been Emma for three or just had an opportunity to drive in to the lane. And, you know, it's – you'd have to go back and look at the tape. But either that's a help side opportunity where they were anticipating a defender coming over to, to, you know, to come off, but you're right. And again, team said as much, those are open shots that they have to take. There were a few times when they got bailed out on, on shots late in the clock. Uh, Julie had a big three in the first half that was at the end of the clock, but Connecticut was really forcing the sky to get into those late shot clock situations not lot allowing them to start their offense until there was, you know, less than 15 seconds remaining on the uh, 24 second clock and sky have to take those opportunities. It's not a seven seconds or less type offense, but if you get a, uh, if you get an open lane or if you get an open look and there's still 17 seconds on the shot clock, be willing to take it. If you know that you can make it, if it's a shot, you practice normally, if it's not an abnormal, awkward shot, if it's not a bad look, then those are the ones that you take. Because the way that Connecticut was playing, they were reading the second and third pass and already available to cover that. So there was a few possessions, I think in the third quarter where the Sky had five players on the arc and just took a three because they were tired. They looked tired. And that was a lot of Connecticut's defense kind of using their unselfishness, I think, against them in some cases.
0: You nailed it so well right there, man. I think that That was the biggest thing, especially after the sky. I mean, they didn't – they weren't terrible in the first quarter. Like, they still shot 40-40 and got to the line four times out of the nine times that they would end up going to the line this game. And that is when Connecticut really started to, put like, clamp down and just, again, force shots late in the shot clock. And that shot by Julie, I'm like – Rewatching it this morning, I'm like, oh man, you know, that's like that's three <laughs> points that you probably wouldn't actually see from the sky this season. Just given, I mean, you know, th- some of those shots are just gonna go in. I'll give you, I'll give a credit yeah. there. But um, the deep, the the defensive effort on the Suns' end by forcing those late shots. That to me was the game right there, and Connecticut being able to come up with some big offensive rebounds, something that a lot of Sky opponents this year have been able to take advantage of. And, you know, it's something that they're still cleaning up, but I will pivot one quick thing. I want to pivot to one quick thing because one thing that I don't, again, I wasn't on Twitter yesterday. I'm still dealing with some health stuff. So I didn't get a chance to watch the game live or be there live. But one of the things I thought was interesting about the discourse that I did see is everyone was talking about Chicago's offense when it's like, Hey, They held the sun to 68 points. They held them to 37.3% from the field, 23% from beyond the arc, and they only got to the line 11 times. If you're the sky, you want to replicate this exact performance that you had in game one on the defensive end, right? Am I missing something here? Because Connecticut had over 50 points in the paint. Two games ago against the Sky, and they held him to 36 points in the paint. I mean, obviously, the flow of the game is going to kind of determine how some of these things play out. But man, I really thought that the Sky did a pretty solid job on the defensive end for the most part. And JJ only had eight shot attempts. Delana Bonner went four for 16. Alyssa Thomas went six for 16. And Courtney Williams carried over her first round struggles to this series and shot three for 12. Like, that is a good recipe to win playoff games. It just came on the offensive end to me where, again, people should be harping on that, but this was a good defensive effort from the sky yesterday.
1: It's true. It really is. It, it honestly is true. The sky played well um, defensively. They. Sh- uh, I was wondering how Courtney Williams would do uh, because I think that's a point of emphasis because if she gets hot, she gets hot. It usually doesn't last for um, more than a half. But if she gets hot, it's something that you have to play for. And they, I mean, some of it, I think, was she was expending a good amount of energy defensively, trying to hold Kalia Copper when she was guarding her, whether that was switched, whether she was switched on to her, or whether she was guarding her face up. So on that side, you could say, okay, Courtney Williams went three for 12, but Kalia Copper um, only scored those nine points that big, that big first quarter and then was fairly quiet after that. Absolutely. But John... John Cole Jones had an efficient game, but it was only 12 points. Dewana Bonner had that 16, but six of those came from the line. She shot four for 16. Connecticut shot poorly. The only player who really had a big effect offensively um, were Alyssa, well, players. Alyssa Thomas had um, a good assist game, and Brianna Jones scored well in the paint. So offensive rebounds and second chance points, although uh, the sky technically had more, I think those are the things that you can hang your hat on. It's just, you know, we keep coming back to the same question. Um, and Shakia Taylor, who was also there at last night's game, just out and out said it, you know, do you change things up on the bench? I don't think so necessarily, but, you know, it's it's where are you getting your most effective scoring from? Now, will Azrae Stevenson shoot one for seven? No, no, that that can't that can't carry over to two games. And if it does, then the Sky have real problems because not only will they be down 2-0, they'll be missing one of their key bench contributors. But I I can't say anything about the defense because I think that they did well. You expect a team like Connecticut to sometimes have games like this, but the Sky, it wasn't just on their own that they shot poorly. The Sky forced them into bad looks, did get key turnovers, and... I mean, it wasn't Candace had those six blocks, but Allie Quigley had a block of the rim. They yeah. were doing well at um, bothering their post presence as much as they could.
0: Was that Allie Quigley block on John Quill Jones? Am I
1: yeah. it was like yeah. a left-handed block? <laughs> and she she came from the she came from the backside and blocked that clean. And then that was like, okay, the energy's really coming up. And I think that was in the third quarter when the sky got outplayed. Which is more, which was even more surprising to me that 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 happened because it looked like they were just putting their mark on the game at that point. I can't say much, but I, I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it, bro. We need Dana. We need some Dana time. We just do. We just need some Dana time. Okay, some Chris. Dana time at some point. Chris, Chris, would we Dana, would Dana have handled?
0: The traps and hard hedging that the Sun were throwing at this guy's backcourt all night any different than how Julie or Courtney handled it yesterday?
1: I, I, I don't, Possib- Possibly not. But there's no harm in throwing her for two or three minutes, right? I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think Dana
0: Evans was going to really make the imprint on this. T- Look, I'm looking at the players one through eight, more honestly more one through seven than anything else and thinking – if you hit open shots, you win this game. Okay. Like to me, it's like we can go back and I know Dana is someone that is again, a living heat check and she has so much value to this franchise. I do think that next year is really going to be more her year than this year. I just don't think that it's, I mean, I think it's just easy to point to Dana and be like, this is the person after what we saw from her late in game three at last year. And then her, that third quarter that she had against the Sparks. And then if you go back and look at her stats, so she's played, I think 190 minutes since Julie has arrived. 118 of them have come with when Julie's on the floor and the sky don't have their offensive rating dips quite dramatically with Dana on the floor this year. Like I get the impulse. And again, honestly, you can't just lean on the the advanced numbers Anytime you make an argument about this stuff, I just don't think that, especially the way that the Sun were able to disrupt the secondary actions of the sky yesterday and making life difficult for Ali Quigley especially, they got she got hit quite a bit from what I saw on the broadcast. They played her pretty physically yesterday too. And I don't know how much that, how much Dana would be able to come in and be able to counter that when the entire team wasn't expecting that clearly coming out of the gate. So I, I look, I don't think James Wade should take the heat on this one, but like, I don't, I just don't think Dana was going to be the antidote to what the sun poisoned the sky with yesterday.
1: And I, I know it's some of it is, is, just personal, but I, Dana came in the game at a, at a critical moment, not garbage time against Las Vegas played four minutes and stood up well against Jackie Young. And the concern at that time was how is Dana going to function against a tall Connecticut backcourt? This is another fairly tall backcourt. And credit, I think we haven't talked about Odyssey Sims enough. She came in and brought great energy off the bench. She was chasing Courtney just the same as the uh, starters did. Um, possibly possibly a touch better than Natisha Heideman defensively. But I think that if you, have a, if you have an opportunity, knowing that Julie is there to run the offense, Dana can do similar things, even if she's not as good of a passer, and she's a better shooter from distance. So if you can get Dana open shots, then I think that changes the game. Because we know that as much as this team is not the same three-point shooting team as they were a year ago and years past, she is still one of the better three-point shooting options on the team. And when she's on the floor, teams have to respect that. So if you're trying to open up driving lanes, which the Sky are, if you're trying to open up the paint, which the Sky are, having another three-point shooter on the floor would help that. So how many minutes
0: would you like her to see in game two?
1: At least four. That's all. And I'm saying, that's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. It's not It's not normal bench players' minutes. But if you can get Dana on the floor for four minutes, and if it has a positive impact, then it's another wrinkle for the other team to think about going forward. And it's another option for you. I think that one play where Julie threw the back pass to Emma that got picked off. Yeah. It was just, it was, uh, it left a bad taste in my mouth and that's not discounting Julie. I really am not. I, she brings a lot to the team. I was excited about the acquisition. I think you just balance those players minutes out more.
0: So I had the exact same feeling when I watched the game this morning. That's what the only reason I had those David Evans numbers on hand is because I'm like (laughs) that pass that Julie just threw away. I'm like, oh, no, like maybe you do have to think more about I'm going to use it again. The ceiling more than the floor when you when choosing between the point guards. But I don't know, man, I really. I just think that that would be a real reactionary move by the coaching staff when we have seen, even in game three in New York, I thought that Julie had some solid possessions. And I, I, I just think that you shouldn't deviate too far and that you should just expect more from your starters moving forward. When Ali Quigley shouldn't go over five from beyond the arc, Courtney VanderSloot had one of those games. This is like, I, you know me, Chris, you can count on my on one hand how many times I've criticized Courtney VanderSloot on this podcast. This was one of the few games where I watched and I was like, wait, where's Courtney? Like that was yeah. one of the few games I've ever seen where I've actually had a reaction like that. And I do think she could be sneaky in the ways that she contributes to this team. But yesterday it just it that was a tough game. That was a bad game for her. And I again, I don't think I've ever said anything remotely close to that before but yesterday maybe I've pinned it on injuries like with the Vegas game coming or first game coming back from a concussion in the Commissioner's Cup this was just not her best performance and I don't think that we're going to see another performance like that from Vanderquigs again just because we know that they're excellent when it comes to responding to below average performances to their standards so Again, I'm more focused on what's going on at the top than I am about taking someone from the bottom and reinserting them to the top because you just you know Kalia Copper is gonna not gonna take one shot in the second and third quarter the next game, and they're not gonna again. I don't. I just have to be surprised that the game is also called as physically as it was again. Just given officiating crews just call things differently game to game, and I just think that this is kind of. Kind of the perfect formula for Connecticut, and I give them all the credit in the world, again, for how they game plan against the sky. 100%. People complaining about the free throw attempts, I just, I, I'm so tired about talking about the free throw attempts. Connecticut threw a haymaker, It also, I just felt like there was some, like the circumstances around it helped them in a in a game like this when they want to play physical with every single team that they go up against, but should we talk about CP, though? Because like, I got to ask, what was it like watching that, like watching her have one of the most, un, like one of the best playoff performances we've seen in recent memory? I mean, she had half of the Sky's rebounds yesterday. I mean, Chris, tell me what it was like watching Candace go to work on both ends of the floor.
1: I've, I've told the story before. Uh, I'll tell it again. When Candace was on the Sparks and the Sky played them at home in 2019, Gabby Williams was guarding her for the majority of the game. And I remember looking up in the fourth quarter and seeing that Candace had not scored yet. And I was thinking, Oh man, this guy really doing a good job on Candace Parker for her not to have scored at this point. That's quality. That speaks to what they've done. That speaks to like how Gabby was played. That's great. But it seemed like, I think I just realized that she was more focused on getting others involved running a certain type of play style. And we all know the context. Derek Fisher was coaching at that time. What happened? But there was a moment in the fourth quarter where she took the ball on the baseline, turned towards the basket, just that inside foot turning and facing up towards the basket. And I was at the other end of the court. And I just was like, she's going to score. Oh my God, she's going to score. Sound the fire alarm, do whatever you need to do. But if Candace um, had the ball and the roof didn't cave in, she was going to score. And she, I think, just put in a a jump shot, but it was just so fluid the way that that changed. And that's kind of what the entire quarter, the entire second half was. Candace was going to make plays. She was going for every rebound. She knew, it was just like she knew that the, the, uh, the team around her wasn't at its best And so she was just going for every rebound and trying to get the ball up the floor, trying to push, trying to get Kalia Copper in transition, trying to find outlet passes. Um, There was a play where she took a fast break and Alyssa Thomas was step for step with her and stayed in front, stayed alongside, bothered the dribble. And sure, there could have been a call either way. You could have called a foul on Alyssa Thomas. You possibly could have called a travel on Candace Parker. But the referees were like, nope, we're just watching this one too. And Candace got the ball knocked out of her hands, faced up, probably gave Alyssa a little elbow, a little chicken wing, and put in a two-foot layup. And I compared that. It was like two wrestlers doing the collar and elbow tie-up, and one person just gets the advantage. And it was like they both went for it all the way up the floor, and then Candace got the headlock on her, and that was it. It was amazing to put a word, put a fine point on that whole thing. It was amazing watching an all-time great veteran at their craft. It was artistic. It was dirty. It was like making a Picasso out of mud at points in time. But damned if she didn't make a game look great. And the only thing that would have capped it is if she had hit that three to tie. But like I said, it's like she can't make every shot. You know, she couldn't make every shot last night. God, it was great to watch.
0: Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Like, from the tip, you could tell that there was just something in her eye where it was just like, we're going to set the tone for this series. And obviously, they didn't win. But, like, she set the tone of, like, guess what? You know what you're getting out of me. You know what you're getting out of me. 19, <laughs> 18,
1: 5 six blocks, four steals. I mean, I mean no, nobody can count on that. It's like, I, I, the only the only thing I can push back on, on on your assertion there is like, nobody can count on that. You can't count on that.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> in terms of just like, you know the energy that you're getting from me. Like, you know that like, again, I mean, 18 rebounds in a playoff game, you can't expect that every time. That's not what I mean. I'm just mean like okay, okay. the mentality, the dog of being like, hey, this is the fucking playoffs and you know what you're going to get from me. And you looked around at some at some of the players on the Sky's end yesterday, and it's like, did everyone have the same dog that Candace did yesterday? It didn't feel that way. Just, again, watching it on the broadcast, which, again, the feeling that you get watching a game live versus what you do, like, watching it on TV, God, those are just such – it's so important to have people like you in the room to feel that. You know what I mean? And – from what i again just from going watching it on TV, it did not feel like everyone had the same type of urgency that Candice did yesterday, maybe outside of Ka in the first quarter, and then at that hilarious play when her Williams uh, yeah. really <laughs> running the ball down and wouldn't give it up. See, that's the type of energy you gotta like have for 40 minutes in a game,
1: right? I mean Ka was I think Ka played the whole game. Not to say that you weren't saying that she played but didn't play the whole game. I think she was coming at it the same way. Possibly the second quarter uh, was the time where she felt taken out of it. But from the first and the third and the fourth, I saw Ka doing Cod thing. She had a reverse layup that somehow didn't drop, <laughs> which is amazing for us to say because anybody else on earth, like, say for maybe, oh, basketball's gone so three-point line, I can't think of a player who penetrates like that. Um, you know, I do have an, you know, an NBA Like Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. That's, that's my comp
0: because of how tough it is to officiate her. You
1: know? I think if we see Ka or Kyrie Irving try to make the layup between two players and go reverse side, those are the players we expect to have it go down. And it didn't. And I was like, oh, I can't believe she missed that because that's a Ka layup that we've seen time and again. I think that was just, you know, Connecticut really crashing. And I'm I just, you know, knocking her to the floor every chance that they got. They weren't able to prevent some of those runouts to just get the crowd into it. There was a guy, I, I wish I had actually talked to this guy who was sitting in front of our table because my man looked like a bank manager from Wilmette, but he came with his blue polo shirt with the Kalia Copper autographed jersey on top of it, and he was into it from the jump. Every time she touched the ball, he was like, she's a man, he was just up, he was up. And that is that is what Kalia Copper has done. She has turned... She has turned Gregory's into fans. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was, I think those are the players. Yeah. Candice and Ka were fully invested, fully like, let me walk that back. Candace and Ka were knew the challenge and they, they came up to the challenge. There were just some other times where the other Sky players, it looked like they were back on their heels, on those shots at the rim, on the, the shot attempts that they took in the lane. I think Connecticut really forced the issue there, so yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. The ball movement I expect to be much better next game, and just they also just had some quick shots in the shot clock in the first half. It kind of felt like, but that like again, when Connecticut's throwing the the kitchen sink at you, I mean, you kind of have to get your shots when you get them. But um, Chris, let's wrap up. With talking about game two, just for predictions wise, I mean, do you have a feeling about how this one's going to go on Wednesday? Also, are you going to be there on Wednesday?
1: Uh, It's possible. I'm still turning it over. I've got, we've got um, an upcoming uh, roller derby game in September and we're trying to prep. Uh, So Wednesday nights are the only practices I can make. And so it's a decision. I want to have one of us in the building. I will let all of everybody know. I will let everybody know what I'm going to do if I'll be there or not. Uh, but predictions for Wednesday, it's not going to be the same as game two versus New York. Um, Connecticut's a better team than New York. They're a grind-out defensively defensive team. They know that the Sky are looking to respond. And, you know, I, I'm always wrong in these predictions when I say what type of game it'll be. Uh, if I say it's a close game, then it's a wipeout. If I say it's going to be a wipeout, it's a close game. So, But I, I do think it's going to be a close game. I think Connecticut is, has to have that same energetic and focus 60 or 75% on the defensive end um, and then let their offense come from takeaways and kind of what this guy like to do is get turnovers and push the ball ahead. But I, I see this guy coming out trying to do what they did early in this game, get to the paint, get to the basket. But I think they're going to see an aggressive Courtney Vandersloot. Sloot. Yeah. Um, whether the Scott, whether Connecticut hedges or not, I think you're going to see an aggressive Courtney VanderSloot, whether that's playing her off the ball or whether that's trying to get her involved in just hitting the ball ahead, getting hockey assists rather than assists. So I don't think the Sky can afford to lose twice on their home court. So I think they win game two. I won't predict a lead. I won't predict a score, but I think they win game two.
0: I agree with you. I do think that this is something that the Sky are able to Again, they just find ways to make things work when there's a little bit more pressure on them. And it's not the greatest trait to have because you're not going to be perfect all the time in those situations. And if they're able to make it to the next round, I mean, it's definitely a situation where they can't keep playing the way that they have when it comes to those type of situations. But I do think Courtney Vandersloot is going to bounce back in a major way because anytime we've seen her have a game. I mean, again, we've not many games that she's played like this this year, but or even since we've been really been covering her, but like, I do think she's going to be more aggressive. I do think that's just kind of something we're going to see from the sky in general is just, Hey, you don't have to have uh, a 0.5 philosophy of just get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball. And just to find the open shot, because sometimes you end up p- passing up the open shot in that case. I do think we're going to see a better game from both her and Allie Quigley, honestly. Like, there was one play where I think Candace passed it to Allie, where Allie just missed it right underneath the basket. Where I'm like, for someone who's just, again, one of the greatest shooters ever, like, she probably makes this shot 999 times out of a thousand, you know? Um, And it just happened to be then. So I do think this guy bounced back in this one. And I'm curious how the, I think we could see a bigger, Rebecca Gardner game I could see her playing a few more minutes than she did yesterday when she played 16 minutes but I do think that her I think that she can get a little bit more involved on the offense because the way that she's able to get to the rim I think is just going to be really important when going against this front line that Connecticut has but Chris anything you want to say before we wrap this one up see you Wednesday everybody See you Wednesday, everybody. You heard it from Chris Bennett first. (laughs) Um, We all just want to, I mean, Chris, want to just thank you real fast for joining us on this edition of the Skyhook podcast. And if you want to reach out to us, go to the episode description because we have our email, we have our, I guess we have our Venmo page and along with our social media information. So if you want to contact us or reach out to us in any way, Hit us up with listener questions even before we ask about it on Twitter, because we're always willing to hear what you all have to say. And if you have a question, we'll get back to you. So appreciate you all taking the time to listen to the podcast. And until next time.